On Christmas Day 2013, Melissa Young gifted her neighbour some presents. His reaction was not one she received well, and the events that unfolded just moments later would result in a violent death. This is the case of the murder of Alan Williamson. Oh, girl, why is it Christmas Day? Like, it's not Christmas no more. Get over it. Well, yeah, I know, but I can't help when the event happened. Well, no, you can't, but you know what I mean. I feel like lots <laughs> happens on Christmas Day and Christmas Eve. Yeah, you know, there are a lot of cases, actually, because there's some cases that I found that I've had to push back because I thought, oh, well... That, that's too Christmassy. <laughs> yeah, that is... Yeah. <laughs> That's just too Christmassy. No, yeah, but there's the, there are a lot actually, but it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Because obviously it's it's a time of year where everything's meant to be perfect, and I suppose when it's not perfect, it can like push people, can't it? Well, yeah, like the Kavina massacre people get was sad Christmas around Eve. that time of year. Yeah. Oh, you don't imagine. Oh, yeah, it's sad. He no, he planned that for like four months. Well, yeah, he was just a, a sad sick person was Lawson family photograph Christmas that was Christmas Day Christmas Day fucking hell all of our Christmas cases were like Christmas Eve Christmas Day uh, Sodder family Sodder family it was Christmas Eve Christmas Eve into Christmas Day no oh, yeah. that kind of explains why the fire brigade took so long eight hours is still an awfully long time for Christmas Eve I know girl but you know what Let's talk about this Christmas what? Eve case. So this is sort of like the fit. This one, in February, we're going to be looking at a lot of sort of like lovers being scorned and, the you know, like crimes of passion. of passion. Yeah, things like that. And this one's a little bit controversial to be starting off with because it's sort of, it's not really confirmed that this is like a crime of passion or anything like that. Yeah, it is suggested and it, it's not. So this isn't gospel. This is just sort of like hearsay from people who have, have known the case and they've said, you know, it was sort of like a crime of passion between these two people. And up front before we start, then in this case, there is a trans lady and we will be referring to it by a correct name and pronouns. Although some articles we will be using do not. Yes, so uh, obviously we won't, we probably won't say the articles verbatim or anything like that anyway and use the correct pronouns that deserve to be used. Yes, respect trans people and non-binary people. Reach out on our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram, at Curious the Mother Pod, our TikTok as well. We're on the TikTok, you know what I mean? Uh, also join us on the Pates at the $5 level, please. Five pound, dollar, euro, franc, whatever you've got, we'll take it. Loads of free stuff on there, loads more content, things like that. Just dream. And merch. Did we fun. talk about merch? And merch. Yeah, there's merch over there, there's tons. There you go. Yes. Let's get on with the case. Melissa Young used the name Chloe where she worked at a popular private club sauna. And now this was not just a regular sort of sauna, this was a sex sauna. I'm not gonna lie, I had to do a little bit of research and by research, ask Dean what a sex sauna was. So without further ado, I'm going to uh, just pass over to Dean to just describe the sort of work that Melissa Young was doing. Right, so a sex sauna typically is is used by gay men. I'm, I'm going off the, the documentary here on Channel 4 that was in 2010, which was like Secret Life of a Sex Sauna. Uh, but it's just like, um, I know in the 80s and 90s, and it's definitely in America, they were quite cultural for gay men to go. It's a place where gay men can meet each other, they can chat, they can hook up, they can do do things, you know, that you would do in a sex sauna. But um, yeah, so there's like different areas, I believe, like um, seating areas where they can sit and chat, like sauna areas, like a jacuzzi, 
a hot tub, a uh, a sauna is the word I'm looking for. And then I think there's more areas like where you can get up to the to the old old sex sauna adage. You know what they say? Yes, I think that's a good description basically because if like me you you wouldn't have known what a sex sauna like I was literally picturing just like a sauna with lots of people like maybe having sex in there or no, something like, like that. Glory like I was very ignorant. <laughs> Yeah, I was very ignorant and I was like, I have no idea what that means, but by a private club sauna and when like you read newspaper articles and stuff, it doesn't really go into detail. Um, but luckily I had Dean on hand. Um, Not that I to, frequent them. To fill in any blanks. <laughs> <laughs> I just wrote a thesis on them for my master's. <laughs> um, but there is a fantastic documentary, if you're intrigued by things like that, on Channel 4 um, called Secret Life of a Sauna. Yeah, so go get yourself educated because I think I'll probably watch that because it's always good to just know more about life in general. Well, really, do you know it? what they like? The, that is like enshrined in gay culture. So if you look back into like this eighties and nineties, and especially during the AIDS pandemic, um, which I think we should do an episode on because that is a crime. Um, yeah, like how that was dealt with, not the AIDS pandemic in itself, but like the response yeah. by government. Melissa Young had transitioned to present as a woman in 2002 after being brought up as Richard McCabe in Perth. So she was originally from Australia um, before transitioning and then coming over to the did UK she have um, as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you she did. I bet you she did. Yeah, but yeah, there's not a lot that's known about like her young life really because once she came to the UK, that was sort of it and she you know, just lived as a woman though just a year after transitioning she was taken on at the sauna which was based in edinburgh now a lot of the information we are about to go through is from her former boss who we don't know their real name they just like to be known as share um for this interview within the saunas transgender women in particular are very overly sexualized and like they have fetish nights for like tea girls and like it, it's like um it's like an attraction almost. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, so I can see why she would be offered a position there because it's very like, do you know what I'm trying to say? Yes, I do. I do get what you're trying to say. I think um, that doesn't surprise me, unfortunately. No, it's like, um, it, 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 it's again then um, gay men should be in, be in, in the hierarchical of the LGBT plus community. Does that make sense? For, to, yes. for them to... And not all, but especially in these places, for them to trivialise and fetishise people's existence and lives. Oh, that's that's sad. It is, but it happens across the alphabet mafia, unfortunately. A year later, she was taken on at the sauna. Now, this next part where we're going to talk about like a lot of her life while she was working and things like that comes from her former boss, just because a lot of people haven't really spoke about the case on the victim's side or on Melissa's side. Um, other than this person who was a boss before she committed the murder and so this boss is also unidentified there's a lot of people who didn't want to be identified when they've been talking about this so they want to be known as share so we don't know what pronouns this person would like to be referred to as because they are just simply referred to as share yes, so that's that, how we're going to refer to that's them that's the goal and we'll keep it to gender neutral <laughs> pronouns are they them when we refer to share all we know about this person is that they were the boss of this sauna club in Edinburgh where she worked at the time. Cher said that one of the staff at the sauna had asked if her friend could come in for a job. Um, and again, a lot of this is taken from um, what Cher says. So Cher said uh, that they clicked right away from looking at her. And by that, I'm guessing they meant that they knew 
um, she transitioned as, as a woman. He said she was so tall and had this husky voice and she was actually six foot uh, three inches as well so she was fairly tall and it said this was about a year after she'd had her operation done in the UK and Cher also says uh, they don't discriminate so that they gave her a job because they don't discriminate. See that's, that's where I disagree to be fair. So they say they don't discriminate because they gave her a job. But by the very fact you're saying that is discriminatory. Like you're saying... Like yeah, saying, like it shouldn't need to be mentioned. Yeah, like it's talking down to her, isn't it? Like we gave her a job. Like they've pitied her. And then and then this is where it comes in the, fetish, the, the fetishization of, of trans people in these places. So he will, he will have done that on yeah. purpose. So Cher gave Melissa a job. Um, and young Melissa Young joined around a dozen other women who were also employed at the sauna in West Annandale Street in Edinburgh. Cher, however, said that the newest recruit quickly became quite a volatile source of tension, claiming that she constantly had run-ins with all the other girls and that the other girls were quite frightened of her. She'd start these fights um, with the other girls because a lot of the time... She, well, this is obviously Cher's opinion, but Cher says she thinks she had a bit of an inferior an inferiority complex and that she was jealous of these other girls as well so she wasn't getting on with any of her co-workers basically but Cher said that she, um that Younger told her that she'd been the target of bullies um as a teenager and that was something that made her really insecure because you know when she was younger she would dress as a woman and obviously you know people sometimes aren't kind and when she was a teenager still being referred to as Richard it wasn't you know she she was bullied basically back when she lived in Australia and she would also do things like show her pictures of herself um as Richard so Cher said uh, that she showed me nude, nude pictures of herself as Richard and Richard was beautiful. She would dress as a woman at the age of 14 or 15 and gangs of kids would actually beat her up in the street. Um, which, again, shows like she did have quite a hard upbringing, obviously, like a lot of, you know, trans people do have, don't they? Because it's such a... It's just one of the most sort of... Be- because the support systems aren't in place and people don't understand it, so people are horrendously discriminatory. Yeah, exactly. And it, that, well, that's the thing, because there's not enough, like, education and acceptance on it, is there? And it's, unfortunately, affects people in a really negative way. Um, not all people, like but this. most people. Yeah, yeah, a lot, yeah. So... Cher also said, Cher added that she didn't have much of a life after she had her sex change. She suffered from paranoia and thought that everyone was always talking about her and she'd smoke cannabis on a daily basis, which Cher said did not help the situation at all. Well, one of the side effects of cannabis is paranoia and I suppose if you're already paranoid, that would probably not affect you in a good way. Yeah, I can see how that would not, not be good. Again, her boss said that Melissa never had any relationships with men. It was always one-night stands. Again, we don't know this for sure because obviously this is just coming from her boss. So this is all from Cher's point of view. And he said there was quite a lot and she was too unbalanced to get close to, which um, is obviously Cher's opinion. Well, do you know what? I don't... don't... How well does your boss know you? Do you know what I mean? You present a version to your boss. Yeah. Like, I don't think my boss could uh, could give me a balanced opinion of who I am. No, no. That's, that, well, that's the thing. That's why I keep saying, you know, again, this is, you know, this person's opinion. But a lot of the story we get from this person because a lot of people just won't talk about this case. And I understand, you know, it's 
they might just you know not want to talk about it for various reasons but this pair even this person share hasn't you know like come forward with their like proper identity anyway they're talking about it you know in a sort of hidden way as well really. Young had also been a heavy drinker since her teens and she was unable to mask her addiction to alcohol and drugs while she was at the sauna and it progressively got worse and worse and worse. Her boss also said that they had once found a bottle of vodka that Young had stashed behind a toilet. Melissa had shouted at them that it was hers and that she would kill the person if they flushed it which obviously i think that was probably just a knee re- knee jerk sort of reaction but because of the events that come to light this obviously sticks out in Cher's mind as you know like quite a significant event because she remembers her saying that she'd kill her if they flushed yeah but I, that feels like a turn basically. of phrase doesn't it it doesn't feel like a threat it feels like oh my god yeah I kill you if you do that. Well, like how many times have you said yeah oh, i'll kill you do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. I feel like it's definitely Cher might be holding on to this just purely well. Do you know what I mean? You kill one person and then everything else comes into question. I know, I know. What can you do? Do you know, do you know what? I'm, I'm being quite conflicted in this case because um, because she is a trans person. I feel like an honour to like stand up and protect her, but also what she did is awful. Well, yeah, we'll see how you feel about that in a minute. Cher said that you have to be tough to run a sauna, and so Cher uh, basically stood their ground and Melissa eventually backed down. But Cher also described it by saying she was like a tiger who could lash out at any moment. Uh, The other sauna girls also claimed that Young would steal their possessions and Cher believed she would sell these possessions to pay for drugs because it it was known that she she was um, like a heavy drinker and into drugs as well. After nine turbulent months at the sauna, Young had an explosive row with her boss. Cher said that she'd spent £13,000 on a facelift. So this was Cher having a facelift herself. And Melissa was very jealous of this facelift. She had almost no breasts. And again, this is what Cher's saying. So this is Cher's opinion. She had almost no breasts and she wanted me to lend her £3,000 for a boob job. I refused and said she should save her money instead of drinking it. And obviously that probably definitely did not help with the rift by, you know, like sort of calling her out like that. So this was basically the big sort of explosive row that they had that then led on to more events. Cher had then found out that Melissa had been turning tricks in her flat and this angered Cher because she was trying to steal their customers in Cher's opinion. After everything that had happened this was sort of like the final nail in the coffin and Cher sacked her. Young was then later evicted from her new town flat after a client had knocked on the wrong door and her neighbours called the police. Cher says she then witnessed her descent into greater depravity over the years. Cher also claims that she boasted of taking groups of drunken men, as many as 13 at a time, to the back of a nightclub to have sex with her. Young was also a serial shoplifter who had clothes worth thousands of pounds piled in her flat when she was arrested. So it sounds like she had a lot going on, really. But I feel, as well, I kind of feel like, well, if people are watching her slip into depravity, why is no one helping her? Because people are nasty. People just sort of watched her, you know, like spiral. Yeah. People just sort of watched her spiral people, and people nothing People do happened. though, don't they? And I imagine yeah. that she might not have had a lot of close friends. You know, she'd come from a different country. So, like, the relationships yeah. that she's had are fairly new, are fairly fractured. And yeah. Seem to be from the workplace. And, and she seemed to have, tied, like, broken ties with the workplace there. Yeah, that does make sense. Young also had a fixation with the Catholic Church. 
She wrote letters frequently to the Pope and to Cardinal Keith O'Brien, attending a central Edinburgh church. But he claims that she was asked to leave the congregation in 2011 after the record revealed she'd been touting for business on buses by handing notes to drivers offering sex for £50. So obviously I think this is a big thing as well she was basically kind of like excommunicated from her church you know like not not invited to be there and it's also another important thing to note she had like religious tattoos but she also had um, a tattoo of the devil on one of her arms as well so I think that kind of says a lot about her almost like symbolic really of like any kind of like confliction she might have had with herself because i feel like that's the thing with religion isn't it it's very um conflicting like you know with the whole like good versus evil and and things that they teach and stuff like that i feel like having an involvement with the church and then them rejecting you that could also be a huge sort of trigger of stress and anxiety and things like and that that's where a lot of people's issues come with religion i think because as soon as the church rejects you you're branded evil or not worthy and even if people aren't directly saying that to you that would be how you feel wouldn't that, it? yeah that's how you would perceive the situation because you're so in, enshrined in that ideology so i think there, there clearly is like as we're as we're like delving into this case there's clearly a build-up of events you know like coming into place you know like with what's going on and it's clearly progressing and getting worse and worse after she was sacked from the sauna young was actually jailed for 18 months due to her shoplifting and on her release she continued to work as a sex worker and to abuse drink and drugs Cher's final meeting with young was in the november and Cher said she was smoking cannabis and sniffing poppers on a daily basis but it was only from the trial that, that Cher had learned she'd been smoking heroin on Christmas Day before the murder. And Cher's then stated as saying, it was clear to me that she'd been on a di- on a big downward spiral, which is, you know, what we were saying before really, isn't it? Melissa Young, in 2013, she'd been released from prison. She had a neighbour called Alan Williamson, who she knew quite well and had befriended. They would regularly go around to each other's flats. And it was rumoured that, you know, they, they weren't in like an, an official relationship relationship, but maybe sort of a little bit of a loose, you know, like casual relationship. But again, that is all hearsay. There's nothing that's like 100% concrete confirmed. So Young, who was 37 at the time, went round on Christmas Day to williamson's house on um on christmas day to sort of exchange presents that sort of thing after the two had exchanged christmas presents young was not happy with um williamson's sort of reaction she didn't think he appreciated these gifts and obviously we don't really know what was said or what was exchanged we do know obviously she had been uh, like smoking heroin that day and things like that which may have impaired her judgment things like that this underappreciation resulted in quite a violent outburst mr williamson had sustained 29 injuries from multiple stab wounds there were 12 to the left side of his chest 12 to his upper limb and five to his left lower limb all inflicted by a kitchen knife with a six inch blade younger tried to blame the victim for his own murder by saying that the cruel and wicked attack was provoked by him not liking the presents that she had given him and that was sort of part of her trial basically is you know when she was asked why that was that was the reason that she gave when police arrived at young's flat the defendant was covered in blood and told them the power it gave her was amazing 
A toxicology report revealed that the blood taken after the arrest showed traces of four different drugs and Young was later found to be way over the drink drive limit. A doctor told the court Young was liable to violent and dangerous outbursts and was on 14 different prescription drugs, inhaled solvents daily, drank to excess and had smoked heroin the morning before the alleged murder. And it emerged during the trial that Young had previously abducted and assaulted Mr. Williamson earlier that year in the June of 2013. What? Yeah. After falsely alleging that he'd stolen Young's house keys, she confined him against his will and presented a knife towards his throat, placing him in such a state of apprehension for his safety that he jumped from the first floor balcony of the flat to the garden below. So he'd he'd actually had to escape her before, and I mean, he stayed friends with her after this, but... Wow. like that shows that she had been like quite violent to him before and, and held him you know like sort of hostage until he'd literally had to jump to safety that's an alarm um, bell she wouldn't go back after that passing the sentence judge lord boyd told young having murdered him you set about trying to persuade health professionals that you were suffering from diminished responsibility While it's true that you have a severe personality disorder, it's clear it played no part in what happened that night. He also added, you showed no remorse in the fact that you told this court you were indifferent to his death. She she was trying to get diminished responsibility on grounds of mental health, um, but then she also, obviously in the court in front of the judge, said that she was indifferent about his death, which I think is probably one of the reasons that she got a harsher sentence from the judge. But that might have been her mental health, do you know what I mean? Like, that's a vicious well, cycle, Well, yeah, well, that's, that's the thing with mental health, isn't it? It is It is a really vicious cycle, and it's it's really hard to, to know, and especially with courts like this. That's not even where the case fully ends. So while she was on remand at Her Majesty's Prison Court and Vale, a woman's prison, Young was convicted of assault, having attacked and bit a female prison officer in the stomach in June of 2014, drawing blood. So this is only like six months into a sentence, not even that. Young lunged towards the prison officer, seizing and pulling her by the hair, causing her to fall to the floor and then lay on top of her and kicked and struggled with her before administering the bite. An allegation that Young assaulted a second female officer and bit her on the body also caused an injury was dropped by the prosecution. Young was sentenced to a further six months imprisonment for the assault, despite her defence attempting to cite Young's transgender status as mitigation by telling the court there is a substantial medical health background as she is transgender. Well, I can imagine that might be how um, maybe the police have misgendered her on an arrest or during it detainment that is the end of this case obviously it was a really horrible really brutal murder and for alan williamson because melissa young hasn't really gave many details about it other than it was because he was unhappy you know it's it's a hard one really because she's clearly suffered a lot conflicted in this case to be fair yeah, I am as well because there's clearly, like, I feel like there was clearly um, a lot of cries for help from Melissa, whether that be through her drug use or, you know, like, excessively drinking, things like shoplifting, like, all of that are cries for help sometimes, you know? And like you said before, it's really clear she didn't have a lot of friends. And so I suppose if you're in a really bad way anyway and not sober, 
it is going to affect your judgment when, you know, like her sort of maybe one of her only friends on Christmas Day isn't, you know, appreciating gifts. I absolutely do not, you know, condemn, you know, I don't... Oh, no, 100%. I do not agree with what she did at all, obviously, because it was such a violent murder. It was so horrific, you know, and, and this person clearly was her friend, Alan, because even after, you know, the abduction, he continued to be friends with her. So I think this person possibly did actually you know understand her and i think when that when someone turns against you i don't know it's like that's your support system isn't it yeah and you're millions of miles away from home you've had all this negative thing and then you're clearly relying on support of substances to help you through the day you might not have been i don't know i'm, I'm not trying to um no we're not trying to defend this at all but i think there's a really clear picture as we were going through the case of something bad is going to happen because it just kept escalating and escalating you know like her behaviors and i feel like if there was some sort of help provided or something like that you know like oh a boss said oh yeah you know i watched a sort of spiral into depravity like well don't watch people do that you know like help them instead help them be nice to them be kind and um i think it's really important as well at this point in the episode to signpost people to help and support for transgender people and um, so there's loads of support um, for transgender young people there's a charity called mermaids you can find them by googling them on instagram there's a charity called gendered intelligence which are really helpful i've worked with them a lot um and they're fab there's loads of support as well um there's videos on youtube um, Fox and Owl do videos called My Generation, which show you um, different trans and non-binary people's experiences. Well, this was really sad. This is a really sad one. Um, and, you know, it, it's tough and it's one of those things, like, obviously we can't say it could have been preventable, but I suppose possibly if, if you know, there'd been help available or something like that, or it, it possibly could have been. Um, so it is it is a sad one. And but it's yeah. so recent as well. 2013 is very recent, isn't it? Yeah, very recent. So Well, this is our start of our crime of passion month. Uh, Danny, what's our next one? So our next case is a, is a very sort of popular, especially in America. A lot of Americans will probably definitely know this. This is the case of Betty Broderick. And she really is, like, she is the original, like, sort of woman scorned. Uh, lots of TV movies made about this, lots of series, documentaries. So I won't go into it too much, but yeah, so Betty Broderick and her sort of um, crime of passion. Um, Could we just ask you a favour before you go, though? Is that all right? If you've enjoyed this episode or any of our other episodes, can you rate us five stars on iTunes and leave us a little review? Or, like, just tell a friend, just one person, just be like, oh, my God, you like true crime? Like, if your friend's saying to you, oh, did you watch Ripper? Oh on netflix you can be like yeah but i also listen to curiously morbid who do all sorts of amazing stuff you could do that for us couldn't you that's like not much yeah ask, is it? so yeah uh, so thanks for listening to episode 42 and uh, if you've liked us you can visit our social medias at curiously morbid pod on literally facebook twitter instagram tiktok anywhere you can join us on our patreon for just five pound five dollar whatever and um, but thank you very much we'll see you next time but in the meantime stay curious stay morbid this has been an Audio Bear production. Our show tune is Half Mystery by Kevin McLeod. Yes, McLeod.